What is up, podcast listeners? Thank you for giving me a few moments of your day to listen to this podcast. This is the Matt Baxter Show. I'm your host, Matt Baxter, and this podcast is about purpose, passion, and calling. Super stoked to have you as a listener because we're going to dive into some awesome, intense stories about people who are going through this journey of this thing called life, and we're all just figuring this out together. But seriously, you're giving me a little bit of your time, and I want to make sure it's valuable and worthwhile. So have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? When I was getting this podcast off the ground, we first started as the Wedgecast, evolved into the Matt Baxter Show. There was a lot of questions that we had, like, how do I record an episode? How do I get my show in all the different places like Spotify, Apple Music, Anchor, Zencaster, all these different places. And yet it just seemed very, very complicated. But the simple thing for us as we began to navigate the waters is the answer to every single one of these questions, questions excuse me, was really simple. It's Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free. Yeah, free. And it's ridiculously easy to use. And now Anchor can match you with great sponsors who want to advertise in your podcast. That means you can get paid podcast right away. In fact, that's what I'm doing right now. Yeah, making money. Okay, it's sweet. It's easy. It's not a big cheap plug on an ad, but it's just simple and easy to use. So for us, it's one of the best parts about it is we can do it entirely remote or in studio. So you can record, you've got that really, really high, you know, high in the sky person that you're going to have as a guest on your podcast. You got to do it remote. Anchor is easy to use. You got people who are willing to come to your studio, your house, your office, wherever you're recording it. Boom. Anchor. Love it. Simple, easy, simple and easy to use. So if you ever want to start a podcast, make money doing it, go to anchor.fm slash start. Join me in the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash start. Can't wait to hear your podcast. What is up, podcast listeners? On this episode of the podcast, I am hanging out with Ryan Blair. Ryan Blair is a national and international entrepreneur. He has made hundreds of millions of dollars in the entrepreneur space with multiple, multiple different companies. He came from an interesting background, uh, basically started in gangs and then transitioned into you know grinding out in the business world and cre- cleaning up his life and, and really has had a successful career being an entrepreneur with multiple different companies. He now is currently running a company called Alter Call, Activation Beyond Motivation that is helping with breakthrough moments of awareness and, and helping sort of guide leaders and entrepreneurs to become better versions of themselves and certainly find their purpose and passion in life as well too. So this podcast really, really aligned with what he's doing and what I'm trying to do with the mission of our podcast and dive into the concept of purpose, passion, calling. So I just want to say a huge thank you to Ryan Blair for being a guest on this podcast. Certainly a motiva- motivation in my life just to listen to what he had to say, and I hope it is for you too. Thanks a ton. Ryan, thank you so much for being a guest on this podcast. Thank you for having me, Matt. This is, uh, is going to be a lot of fun. Obviously, uh, I'm excited just to hear your story, to hear the life background. You're a New York Times bestselling author. You've been an entrepreneur. You're a philanthropist. You've just been involved in some crazy, crazy things going on in life. And so I'm just super excited to hear your story. So if you're willing, would you mind just like starting from from the beginning and just diving in a little bit? Yeah, for sure. You know, one, it's, it's a privilege to be able to share it with you. Um, I started my life in a middle-class family. My dad was a army guy and my mom was a homemaker 
And unfortunately, my father got addicted to drugs at an early age, and my mother became an alcoholic. And as a result of that, I, I lost both my mother and father for a period of time when I was 11 years old. Um, I was on my own by the time I was 13 years old, and I was in and out of a gang by the time I was 14 years old. And you know, my life really turned to poverty. I went from the middle class to poverty, and I saw all kinds of hustle and poverty. And you know, pretty soon I was doing the same thing. You know, my first crush was murdered in a drive-by shooting, and I went to juvenile hall a couple of times. I was arrested a number of times. And by the grace of God, when I was 17 years old, I met a mentor, and he took me under his wing and taught me about legal entrepreneurship. And from that moment forward, I decided that I wanted to be an entrepreneur, and I decided I wanted to be wealthy. He was a wealthy man, and so once I got to see it and touch it, I decided that's what I wanted to be. You know, I've since written books about the subject and uh, created a documentary, and I've started a number of businesses that have been quite successful. But yeah, I'm, I'm an entrepreneur, and right now we're in the middle of some crazy times, so I'm happy to share any of my insights. I've been doing this for 22 years, and I've, you know, I've, I've had about a billion dollars in exits, and I've created companies that have generated billions in sales. So if there's any, any wisdom that I can pass on to you in the audience, you know, I'm an open book. Yeah, love that. So, uh, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna dive into some of the parts of the story, and then obviously expand upon different. So I I've just got so many questions. So the the first one, and obviously I want to you know be a little cautious and say thank you for sharing the stuff about your parents. Obviously that's that's tough and difficult times. And so I got to ask about the transition into yeah. the, sort of the gang scene. Was that was that like a do you, was that just like sort of the normal thing culturally yeah. to happen? Was that you sort of looking for community that wasn't available and that was the community in, you know, whatever manipulative sense that you could find or sort of what was the draw to well, there, that you for know, you know, there's at two the things. Time? One, we had a um, an explosion in gang culture at that time, you know, gangster rap, uh, the movies. It was like... Remind Los me where, An- you're, where you were Angeles. from. Or where, where and this you, is uh, okay. the, the early 90s. Uh, and early and late nineties. So, you know, you had this just massive shift culturally to, um, gang culture. So that was one big element that, that influenced me. I didn't realize that I was being influenced by, you know, the rap videos and NWA and, you know, movies and, uh, our culture was, was changing toward that. The second thing was a family member of mine got involved in gangs. And as a result of that, you know, I was, I was exposed to it. The third thing is, is that young, um, young individuals, particularly young boys are targeted and recruited to go into gangs because we're, we're easily, easily manipulated. And the older individuals, the older males, you know, they need young people to do the dirty work so they can avoid lengthy prison sentences and so forth. And so, and then the fourth thing I would say is, yes, I was looking for a male role model in my life. I was looking to belong. I was looking to be protected. You know, the neighborhood I lived in was filled with different gangs. And so I, I didn't have much of a choice. I had to choose one. And, you know, I, I chose, you know, the one that all my friends were a part of and the kids, you know, that I was in school with and, you know, the kids that lived in my neighborhood. And so, you know, I, it was uh, and I was forced in. So I was actually jumped in and I was forced in and I didn't have a choice. You know, next thing you know, I have I'm 14 years old and I have five guys that are in their mid to late 20s you know, beating me up, you know, as best as they possibly can, breaking up my teeth, kicking me while I'm on the ground. And, and, you know, and, and then all of a sudden it stops and they tell you you're a member of the gang. And if you want out, the beat down is 10 times as hard. 
And so you just, you, you don't want out. Like you're like, no, thank you. I don't, I don't want to get beat up and be excommunicated and, and be pursued. And, you know, and like now you have a whole group of people that hate you, that know exactly where you live, know exactly who you hang out with, uh, know where to find you at any time they want to. At the time when, you know, I'm sure it wasn't as a, maybe it was an aha moment, but at the time when you were, you know, literally getting beat up and they said, now you remember part of, like, now you're part of the, the gang. Was that a, at the time, was that like, I'm, a, I'm an, I'm accepted sort of moment or is that out of fear sort of moment? Or what was like yeah. the adrenaline going through you yeah. at the time? Literally. Yeah, that's a great question. No one's ever time. asked me that. I, I actually, um, I, I remember a girl that I was friends with started screaming and she was crying and says, this isn't for him. He doesn't want this. Um, and I remember looking at her and I haven't thought about this memory since. And I remember thinking to myself, I don't want this. And as I kind of regrouped, and then I, next thing you know, I was challenged by one of the, what they call OGs. And he says, is that true? Like, you know, they're ready to beat me up again if I say it's not true. And I said, no, no, I want this. And so I remember thinking to myself, I didn't want this. You know, this wasn't for me. And one of the, a girl tried to stand up for me and tell, you know, tell them this isn't his thing. This isn't for him. And, uh, and I said, no, this, you know, I, I want in, I'm in. And I did. I was about to say what I know about male testosterone is, uh, although yeah. the female had your back, the fact that she was the one chiming yeah. in and a bunch of men fighting with each other. I bet yeah. you there was probably there, some conflict. There, there that. was, I haven't even thought about that memory, you know, since then, but you know, I remember like I felt forced to go the route to, to, to say, yes, I want in, this is for me. I remember I, I had no choice, but I remember I, I thought about saying, no, I don't want in, you know, I don't want this. And I remember that's what my heart said, but then my head didn't want to get beat up again. And I had to say, yes, I'm in. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't obviously don't want to spend too much time and appreciate you, you know, being a little vulnerable when it comes to that. The one question I have that I, I'm sure a lot of listeners would be wondering is certainly not to make light of this, but what would be something that the general population uh, believes about gangs to be true and what's something that, that, you know, actually is true and what's something that's totally off or people are well, totally misconceived you know, for one, about a gang is just a, it's a, it's an organization. It's a bunch of professional entrepreneurs coming together. You know, um, it's, it's a business. It's all it is. It's just a business that is ruled by fear, intimidation, uh, death, you know, those types of, those types of things. So a lot of people look at a gang and they go, Oh, that's crazy. It's like, I look at a gang and I just see a business. Um, and you know, and some are more successful than others. And, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, they're just simply a bunch of people that are illegal entrepreneurs. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. We'll, <laughs> we'll transition probably out of that, out, out of that stage a little bit. But so you mentioned, uh, you mentioned, uh, you had a mentor who, um, taught you legal entrepreneurship, yeah. right? So I, I can understand where the, the distinction of that statement coming from the background would come from. But at what point, you know, throughout the course of your life was the first time you felt like I, I've got a hustle to me or I'm, I am an entrepreneur, whether legal or illegal. What was the first yeah, moment you, you know, had well, for that? So I guess, you know, I was good at hustling when I was in the gang. So you know, I, I got involved in all kinds of different ways to make money. Um, and as a result of that, you know, I, I did all right. Like I always had money. Um, and so when I became a, uh, an entrepreneur though, I guess there was a moment 
Well, actually, the first thing I did, I didn't first, I didn't jump right into entrepreneurship. I first got a job in the technology industry, first as a customer service agent, but then I worked my way up, you know, into their data center and then eventually into their software engineering group. And eventually I ended up becoming a, uh, you know, a, an executive for this company. So, um, you know, so my, um, uh, my, my first real experience realizing that I could lead in a business function was at that company where I, you know, I, I went from a call center representative to a, you know, an engineer and beyond. And then from there I saw how much money the owners of that company were making. And I thought to myself, but you know, I should be an entrepreneur here. And that's when I started my own business, which was 24 seven tech. But by the time I, as a, as an employee, I was making at least, I was making over a hundred thousand dollars a year as an employee. Um, when I was only, 20 years old. And then I, I took the risk to become an entrepreneur at around 21 and never looked back. So the, the first, uh, it's interesting, you, you know, it was kind of working for that first company. What was, was it more driven by an idea to become an entrepreneur or was it more just saying, I know what these business owners are doing. I want to become that and whatever mechanism to do that, I'm going to become that. Or was um, it idea driven? I, I yeah. Do you get the, uh, sorry, yeah, that might be a good. complex question. I, so I, don't mean I had it to worked be. at the, the software company I worked for. I'd done so many different roles that I just felt like I could, I could do, you know, what was necessary. So I first learned how to engineer the product and then they would bring me out on sales calls to sell to the people buying the product. And these were multi-million dollar sales. And so I would look at the salesperson doing it. I would be the one doing most of the selling. And then I'd have to go back and implement the features and, you know, create the product. And so when I realized I could do both the sale of the product and the creation of the product is when I decided to start my own business. Um, it wasn't necessarily the idea of being an entrepreneur. It was just that I was in such close proximity to, you know, the, the management, the senior management of this company that I was, you know, I, I said to myself, I could do this job, you know, and I, and I did. I did the sale and I built the product. And those were really the two most important components of, of being an entrepreneur. Um, the other things I figured I could figure out along the way and I did. Yeah. Love that. Love that. So I, I got to ask, and this is not to bring back the gang side of things, but to be in multi-million dollar contracts and to come from a gang, where did you learn sort of the, uh, the professionalism and how did that yeah. come about? And I, I say that because I know, you know, I, for example, my company, we sell to yeah. HR managers and talent acquisition people. And there, there's a certain type of lingo that as for as much as I want to be a young tech startup founder, I have to go be empathetic yeah. to that type of sale. And it's very different. So then you, you throw in the background of the gang and, and, you know, that's a very different lingo and culture to step into big sales. Yeah, so that's, where that's a great that question. From? So one of the, and I mentor some people that are immigrants, I mentor people and I do it for free in some cases, or and, you know, in cases of the immigrants that I mentor, there's a couple of them, and I'm teaching them, you know, vocabulary, business vocabulary. I I bought audio cassettes called you know business vocabulary audio cassettes, and I listened to them day and night to be able to pick up business lingo. Um, at that time, we didn't have YouTube, we didn't have social media or any of that stuff, you know. So this is the uh, uh, late '90s, early 2000s, and I would just consume audiobook content. Um, and I surrounded myself with people. I, you know, I would communicate to people. I would see their feedback, their criticism. I would make adjustments. I ended up going to business school, um, where I, you know, I learned a lot going, you know, to business school. So I ended up 
uh, going to college while I started my first startup. But I just became a, a sponge and I was always very adaptable, but I did have to, you know, I had to learn proper use of English. I had to learn uh, how to co communicate both orally and written. I had to learn how to speak on stage. You know, now I've, you know, been on stage to tens of thousands, you know, and presented in front of 18,000 plus people at some of my events. Um, but yeah, it was a, a trial and error and a, a, you know, any skill can be built. Language is a skill. And it can be built. You just have to dedicate yourself to it. And and I hated the negative feedback. I hated when I didn't understand a word. I hated when I, you know, was laughed at because I misspelled or I I didn't enunciate correctly. Um, and you know, and every time I was, you know, greeted with something like, you know, the the negative feeling associated with not knowing, I did the work to know. Do you think in Man, I'm certainly not a psychologist, but I got to ask a question. Do you think that fear of improvement came from the fear that started um, in the gang? Meaning that, the, you know, the fact that. You know, Just like the drive, the drive to make a mistake in a business setting is a heck of a lot different than when you make a mistake in a gang. When you make a mistake in a yeah. gang, I'm sure there's uh, not only physical, but emotional repercussions. Whereas if you make a mistake in a business meeting, certainly there's some of that, but not in a different sort of extreme. Yeah. Do you think you those know, had well, any crossovers? Not necessarily. I mean, I'm sure that everything plays a part, but I do recall when, you know, when I was a young uh, engineer and I make a mistake, you know, they'd make fun of you. Like our culture, people make fun of people that don't enunciate correctly, use the wrong words in a, you know, in, in a saying or an expression or a sentence. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of forces and I was very observant to those forces that were trying to tune me up and educate me. And, you know, I, um, I, 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 I had an epiphany or a, a dream and I was watching this, this documentary series called Pirates of the Silicon Valley, and it profiled Bill Gates and Steve Jobs and Elon Musk and a variety of people back in you know, the, the early 90s, actually late 90s. And um, it was like Windows 95 timeframe, if I recall. And, um, and I remember seeing those individuals and saying to myself, you know, they're not smarter than me. They just had better parents than I did. They just had better upbringings. But there's nothing that separates me from them. And I did everything I could to try to bridge that gap between me and them. And now I've, I've been privileged to work with some of the very people that I saw in that documentary. And whether it be in the boardroom or, you know, having them as investors or me investing in some of their projects. You know, I've, I've been blessed to have some of those very people mentor me. And I just, when I saw them, I thought to myself, you know, I, I've, I've actually got more survival skills and more street smarts than they could ever dream of. And yes, they might have an educational gap that I don't have, or they might have some knowledge that I that I don't have, but I could fill that gap easy. You have to earn the stuff that I had. And so I knew that. And so I made sure that I filled the gap. And I and I was I was always after mentors. Like I would write to mentors, I'd read Forbes magazine, I'd cut out the information, I'd write to the corporate headquarters to try to get in touch with the CEO. I was just seeking mentors nonstop. And, you know, as luck would have it or fate would have it. A number of the people that I sought out for mentorship responded. And so next thing you know, I'm being groomed by venture capitalists, by, you know, by great titans of industry. And I convinced them to invest in my startups. And I was venture capital funded, you know, at the age of 21 years old, I had a startup, you know, that was called Sky Pipeline. And I had some pretty, you know, world-renowned venture capitalists believing in me and my mission and my vision. And by the time I was 25 years old, I had sold that company in a $25 million transaction. So, you know, I, I, but I, I was relentless. I worked hard at it. I never gave up. 
I consumed like a sponge. I reached out to people. I networked. I did whatever it took to win. So I, um, first off, congrats on all that. That's, uh, I, I, I look up to that and I yeah, have so no. many questions that I'm also going to take off the air as well too. But, you know, I, 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 I got to ask the question. So what do you think went right? So certainly the ability to just have utmost drive, learn mentorship, what do you think went right for you that just happened to go right for you versus somebody else? Right. So we always wish we could tell somebody the exact story, but there's certainly, you know, I think luck is one of the worst words ever. I hate that, but there's certainly some timing and and uniqueness that happened at the right time. Can you think of a couple moments or examples that you just, the right stroke of uh, Ryan being in the right place, the right time with the right effort and the right person in the room saying, I, you know, you you get what I'm saying, but like, do you you have any really right moments you feel like happened just for you? There's a number of them. I call those, I call those God. Yeah. I know we share yeah. faith, but I, you know, just, just whatever, you know, just the yeah, right there, moments that happen. Manifestation. The fact that in the 2008 recession, I did all kinds of work to retrofit my company to meet the new normal. You know, we went from a luxury co- economy in 2008 to, you know, financial crisis. And I engineered, you know, re-engineered my company and took some bold risks. And as a result of that, I had the fastest growing company in all the, all of wall street on the NYSE. You know, we, Went from uh, I think it was nine million a year in sales to six hundred twenty million a year in sales, and a hundred million a year in profit inside of twenty four months. So you know, but manifestation is first you dream it, and then second you take action on it, and you take action in faith. And so that is my formula. And I've had a lot of luck, but the harder that I work, the luckier that I get. And I still believe that to this day. So yes, it, my faith played a huge part of it. Yes, I you know I believe that. I was called to learn the things that I was called to learn so that I could be of service and the, the products and the things that I've created are doing, they do just that. They serve, you know, as entrepreneurs, we're problem solvers. That's all we are. And so, you know, if you just simplify it, I'm a problem solver and the bigger the problem, the, you know, the more that it requires me to call the forces within me and the forces outside of me to solve that problem. And so, yes, there's been plenty of things. And I think to tell you, you know, each of us has a genius. So my genius was, you know, discovered in that, you know, I, I had a, 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 an ability to express myself, an ability to adapt. And I discovered those geniuses. And although I had a lot of weaknesses, I put all my energy on that strength and on those geniuses. And those are the things that allowed me specifically to succeed. But I would tell you that everyone has, you know, a uniqueness, a genius to them. You just have to make sure that you, you know, you, you design the play for your genius. You don't allow the play to be designed around someone else's genius. So I design the plays around my strengths and I execute around my strengths. All too often, we allow other people to design the plays around us. And the goal is design the play around your strengths. So like I designed the business plan around my strengths. I designed, you know, um, the product offering, the communications, all of that around my strengths. So on, on that note, I want to, I want to hit on something. So you touched on, uh, I think it was a documentary in the midnight or yeah, mid nineties. That was like Musk, Buffett, uh, everybody that everybody loves to quote sort of thing. And you said, you know what? I, I, you know, those guys are talented. They got different parents, but like I can work just as hard. So what is it that like, 
what's like the pearl of wisdom that everybody has? And you mentioned that you mentioned the genius, but like, what does the average person just not get that they could be well, doing? One is, you know, you have to look at this entrepreneurship as a vocation. You know, it's, you have to actually study. You have to, you know, you have to do the work and you have to fill your gaps. Like you have to have a, 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 a basic understanding of a lot of stuff in order to run a business, the more successful business. If you have a dream to run a, you know, a business that does, you know, millions a year in sales and profit, there's a lot of variables and you have to be able to master multiple variables at once, which means you have to, you know, you have to strategically go through the gaps that you have, whether it be finance, human resources, recruiting, sales, marketing, messaging, like there's a lot of variables that make up for a successful business. And so you just have to basically reverse engineer, you know, what does it take to be successful? And the good thing is there's a lot of mentors out there. There's a lot of books written. The, the information's out there. You just have to go find it and you have to go get it. Um, I like to, I like to look at things like, you know, uh, very, I like to break things down and, and look and simplify them, you know, to, to be successful in a business, you have to execute. And what's execution? Execution is knowing what to do, knowing how to do it, and then doing your job. So if you don't know what to do, write up a list of all of the things that are potentially what you should do to, to launch a business or to create a business or to expand a business or scale a business. And then write up that list and then prioritize it by those things that you know how to do and that you have the resources to do it with. And then ask yourself, am I doing my job each day? And each day I wake up and I ask myself that question, am I doing my job? Some days I don't, some days I do. And, you know, I got to look myself in the mirror and say, did I do a good job today? Did I do my best? And, you know, and, and, you know, I think we just have to be self-aware and we have to have a growth mindset and, you know, you know, and not give up and, and realize this is a vocation and it's tough because it, it's a vocation that some people do naturally based on the way they were raised, their, their risk tolerance, their, you know, ability to, you know, to conceptualize things, their creativity, all of these things make entrepreneurs distinctive, but there is a genius in each of us. And, and there's a lot of unique geniuses that bode well in the sport of entrepreneurship. You just have to find your niche and, you know, and, and do it. Love that. And for a Friday evening for me, that's the motivation I needed to go into the weekend. So thank you for that. <laughs> I, uh, so, so let's, uh, so you had, you said you were 20, you had your, your first exit was a yeah. $25 million yeah, when exit. I was, 20, when I was 24 years old. So, I was 25 million and I've had about a billion in total exits. So, so what was the, what was the round two, three, four after, after the first one? What was the round? What do you mean? What was the, uh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah. like what, what happened next? So oh, yeah. you, had your, exit, you had your first exit. exit what happened? I thought I was, what, uh, you know, I, I used to do some simple math and I looked at the compounded uh, growth in my income from, you know, the age of uh, 20 when I started as an entrepreneur up to 24. And I, you know, if I thought if I just extended that for the next four years, I'd be a billionaire, right? Because my compounded growth rate of income was tremendous. Um, and so uh, and so at 24 years old, when I had my exit, you know, I, I thought uh, I knew it all and I was humbled. Um, what, what year uh, was 2004. That? Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So th this is like really before like the sort of, so you were, 
to quote, you were kind of the OG of like venture yeah. capital exit well, not, sort of, yeah. this is like pretty I, early I came stage. out of the dot-com boom in uh, the late 90s. So my first startup was 24-7. It didn't do too well, but I learned a lot from it. And I parlayed that into 24-7 tech, uh, which did great. You know, I mean, it was, it was a great startup. Um, and then I turned that into a social networking company uh, called Path Connect that I ended up pivoting into a couple other separate companies. Um, and I started a company called Visalis. I actually acquired Visalis and turned that from a $20,000 a month company to a $65 million a month company and a $600 million a year business. So, you know, I, but my, you know, I, I have studied entrepreneurship. I've read every magazine. I read articles on it constantly. Like I, I didn't do anything but study entrepreneurship. Um, and, you know, in, in my twenties uh, and thirties. Who was the sort of uh, non-Musk, non-Buffett, non-Bill Gates, non-Steve Jobs sort of hidden gem that you would uh, reference? Coach John Wooden was a mentor of mine. Um, he's no longer with us, but he's a UCLA all-time winningest basketball coach. Coach Dale Brown of LSU fame. He was Shaquille O'Neal's mentor. He's also a mentor of mine. You know, So I've received mentorship from non-entrepreneurs and non-business people by the way of coaches. Um, you know, artists, like Picasso comes to mind, certain politicians I've studied inside now, military leaders, like I've sought sources of wisdom from, you know, from all kinds of different individuals. John Maxwell was a mentor, is, is a mentor of mine. Um, you know, John is a leadership mentor. Uh, Tony Robbins, uh, you know, is a friend of mine and a mentor. Um, you know, I, the list goes on and on of people that I've extracted information from. And, you know, and, and now, you know, I could tell you my son mentors me. I have an, a 10 year old boy soon to turn 11. And, you know, I learned from him. Congrats. Yep. Yep. I learned, <laughs> I learned awesome. from, the goal is, is to be such a student that you learn from everyone and then to take what you've learned to teach it to your team and to your customers. And, and, you know, life is real simple. Just learn and teach. So what do you feel like you've done throughout the course? Like, obviously, you've had a couple of substantial exits and you've you've had sort of found a way, found a way that no matter what, sort of everything you've done has been a success, uh, even if it's a learning curve that led to the next success. What do you think you in particular have done really, really well? And where do you feel like you've got some blind spots that you figured out how to overcome them? Let me give you an example. I'm five foot five, so I have to drive a big truck just to, you know, compensate a little bit. Right. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, but, but point being, it's just like, where on, on one side, where do you feel like you have really, really uniquely been gifted? And then the other side, where do you feel like you compensate to sort of use yeah, those gifts well, and leverage is, those? I've always been good at growing things and, you know, growing, uh, now I'm looking at sustainability, right? So I've always been good at growing things and growing businesses. Now I'm looking to create a sustainable long-term business, one that is with me for the rest of my life. I'm 42 now and I'm out of the phase of wanting to, you know, buy things and sell things and, and, you know, and compete, uh, with that type of spirit. Now I really want to build a, you know, a business that is, that has got a divine architecture to it. One that will pass down for generations. Um, so I've had, you know, I, I have plenty of blind spots. I surround myself with great people, to help me see those blind spots. And I, I ask myself deeply a lot, like, what am I missing? Um, you know, I think that, that as I've grown right now, I think that, you know, there's really two forces on a personal level that we have to command. One is the force of restriction. So restricting the things 
um, you know, that, that are bad for us. So we have to restrict negative substances. We have to restrict toxic thinking. We have to restrict our reactions, negative reactions, negative thinking. We have to restrict content that we consume. We have to restrict the food that we eat, the alcohol, like all of these things you have to restrict. And I, I wasn't a master of that. I lived a rock star lifestyle and, you know, I was, uh, living, uh, you know, uh, just, just living life to its fullest by every means. And I didn't restrict. And so now over the past couple of years, I've really spent a lot of time mastering the force of restriction. And then the second piece of, of really the, the two things that you have to master is sharing. If you can restrict appropriately and share appropriately, you know, the world will come to you. And so now I'm seeking to, you know, as I've mastered the force of restriction and I continue to, now I want to share more. And that's part of the reason why I'm on this podcast with you, Matt, is I want to share the things that I've learned and I want to share them in a way that's much more powerful than I've ever shared before. Yeah, I love that. And that's going to give me something to think about, unfortunately, for too much tonight. I might not even <laughs> yeah. sleep because of that. So <laughs> thank you. But sorry, uh, another another one comes to mind spe- specifically around that is uh, first a uh, two-part question. What would you tell, uh, you said you're yeah, 42. 42. So what would you tell your 62 year old self today? And what would you, what would you wish you would have told your 22 year self? Great question. 22 you know, year old I, self? I actually take some of the entrepreneurs. I think, I, I, I think yeah. that's actually like a Tim yeah. Ferriss question. Now that I, I think take, it's I take be. entrepreneurs <laughs> through a process and I have them write themselves a letter 10 years out. You know, some of the people that I mentor is like, write yourself a letter 10 years from now and congratulate yourself on all the things that you've achieved and the things that you've overcome based on what you presently are, you know, enduring right now. Uh, I haven't gone out 20 years, but I can tell you uh, 10 years from now, I'm going to have a beautiful relationship with my son. Uh, You know, what I would tell myself 10 years, 20 years is you did it. The work that you're doing today worked. You know, you stayed the course. You're a great father. Like I, I know exactly what I look like 50 at 52, 10 years from now. And at 62, I'll just have some more wrinkles and some more gray hair. Um, but what I, what I have told myself, my 52 year old self is you did it and you've only just begun. What I would go back and tell my 22 year old self, um, is, you know, meditate, learn to meditate, learn to quiet the mind, learn to master the mind. I would tell myself to put your health first. I would tell myself to learn breath work. I would tell myself, you know, to, 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 you know, to not make decisions out of fear. Uh, I would tell myself to check your ego, you know, um, and to, you know, to learn how to kill your ego, even not just check it, but, you know, try to just be, you know, just be in the moment, uh, not, not try to be present. And I just say, just be, because we live in such a beautiful time. In such a beautiful place that all we have to do is take the actions that we know we need to take, the actions that our soul is called to take. And if we do that, you know, over enough time, we will get to the destinations that we seek. I feel like I need to go meditate now. That's too good. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I uh, I love that. I'm I'm uh, I'll be 26 in May, so I partially asked that question about what do I need to yeah. be listening to right meditation, now. So thank you for that. Meditation, <laughs> breath work, prayer. You know, um, like I the practices that I'm deploying today. I wish I would have known about. I wish somebody, you know, at 26 would have told me get these things right in your life and everything else falls into place. They didn't tell me that. They told me get the money right and everything falls into place. And I got the money right and everything didn't fall into place with money. You know, with with money, 
a lot of things fell out of place. And, uh, and as a result of, you know, me really doing some deep soul searching, I then realized the most important thing is to have your health. And, you know, we're in the middle of a global pandemic and it tells you how important your health is. I mean, this crisis is an awakening of health and it's, it's an awakening that we need to put our health first. And so I would have, I would have told my younger self that, um, and, you know, and I've, I spent the past several years optimizing my health. I've never been healthier. And I tell any listener out there, you know, put your health first. Yeah, that's so good. So good. And I, it's, it's interesting, you know, on the startup side of things, the crazy nights of you, you know, right now I'm in the, in the classic mode of we're in scaling mode, we're raising capital mode, we're uh, bringing on employees. And so my health oftentimes due to where my mind goes yeah. is one of the last things it's the wake up, wake up at one in the morning, be awake until five in the morning. And you know, we're, we're good. We're powering through, but you stop and think like, man, health is one of the last things that you yeah. think about when it comes to that, but it actually yeah. should be the reverse because all the things fall in place better than yeah, that. So, it, no, that's a good word. I, I love that, to hear that, that. I live by now. I took management courses. I took all kinds of you know business courses, project management courses, time management courses, and you know, and I would f- be frustrated that I didn't get all the things done I wanted to get done, and I was constantly struggling with that. And now I just live by the code that energy management is the new time management. If you manage your energy, you'll have 16 hours a day of productivity. If you don't manage your energy, you'll have 16 hours a day of hell, <laughs> right? And if you manage your, that is so, yep. that is oh, it so is. True. If you manage your energy, you'll have a 16-hour day. And I mean, when I say that, I mean getting everything you need done in 16 hours. That's all we get, right? If we sleep for eight, and if you have, if you get it done right, you know, at the end of 16 hours, right before you go to sleep, you'll go to sleep happy. You'll go to sleep with gratitude and you'll get a great rest and, you know, and you'll be happy you did. Now I used to play the game of running myself to the ground and burnout and push myself. And I understand you, you know, you need to learn where your limits are mentally. Now that I've learned that though, I can tell you, you know, you really just need to learn how to maximize your energy because if you bring the best energy to the day and to the projects, they get done. And the people that you're working with do them. When you bring bad energy, the projects don't get done. done, And the people that you're working with, they fail to execute effectively. So it's really key to bring the good energy and be at the right frequency. And so spend three hours in the morning setting yourself up so that the next 12 hours are just brilliantly executed on. And you'll be 10 times more effective than anybody who just dives straight into their day and tries to execute without taking the time to meditate, do breath work, to eat healthy, and to work out each morning. Like those are the non-negotiables that I do to start my day every morning. Yeah, that's that's a good word. I love love hearing that as well, too. Thank yeah. you for that. That's good. Um my, uh, or, or I, I want to give you a chance to to dive in a little bit to uh, Alter Call and, and and share a little bit about what you got yeah, going on. Alter with that. Call is exactly what it is, but it's it's not the altar like an altar in church, but it's altar as in change. It's for people that are called to change and called to elevate. I work with a variety of entrepreneurs in a number of different segments where I'm teaching them how to endure this you know this forthcoming recession, and I'm teaching them how to deploy the modalities that I just spoke with and how to deploy them across their teams and their businesses. If you can harmonize your team, harmonize your family, your business will grow and your business will get through anything. And so I think that, you know, uh, Alter Call is a new startup that I just started in October. And I'm writing a book about 
you know, at my own altar call and the uh, experience that I had when I went through a massive transformation and a massive reinvention. And now my goal is to help as many entrepreneurs and as many leaders and business leaders and executives, you know, have their own altar call moments, moments where they're called to, you know, ignite a transformation in their life. I love that. Absolutely love that. So you're launching, when's the book you know, coming out? It's funny that the ending just changed when this pandemic hit. <laughs> right? So, so, yeah, of course. So I'm, uh, I, you know, I've written two books and I, I'm, I'm with Penguin right now and, you know, they're, they're putting a little, uh, you know, there's a lot of pressure on me out there to get this thing out. So, you know, I, I I'm going yeah, to, yeah. last book I launched in the 2016 election cycle. So I'm going to wait till after the election to publish this time. Around. Man, yeah. you're killing it with yeah. timing. Oh yeah. yeah. That was actually, that was actually an interesting time uh, to drop a book, but this time around, I'm going to wait till the election uh, and the pandemic, you know, until we get to a place where people can uh, but I'm going to be putting out content on social media and, you know, I'm, I'm going to be putting out content on private Zooms and all kinds of things like that. I've been testing the principles in the book. I started writing the book with a hundred and I think I got up to like 190 different principles. Now I've been testing the principles, you know, on podcasts like this and teaching people. And, and, you know, as I get feedback on them, I'm refining the content and refining the stories that are really the drivers of the book. Yeah. yeah, that's so good. So good. Well, my, my absolute favorite question on the planet to answer, or to ask is, is what is it that gets you out of bed in the morning? And the, what, the reason why I like to ask that is that, you know, when the podcast is about purpose, passion, and calling, and I love to interview all like such a wide range of people because both successful financially in different business sectors and athletics in being school teachers. I mean, just such a wide range of people and asking the question of what does it get you out of bed in the morning really brings it home that says, no matter what you go out and be successful with, there's a purpose behind it. What is that? And I think that when you, when you put your feet on the ground every single morning, there has to be a broader reason than just getting up and yeah. going and making money. Although that's yeah. not a bad byproduct, but so I, I just love that question. So I, I just love to hear from you is like, what, yeah, what truly you know, is that I for think- you? No matter what, I'm getting out of bed so my son, you know, sees his dad work, sees his dad create, sees where our home comes from and, you know, where the nice things that he's able to have. And, you know, he lives a privileged life compared to most children. So I want him to see, you know, that his dad's a leader. I retired for two years and he told me, he's like, dad, you need to go back to work because, you know, I was bored. Um, so yeah. <laughs> dad, yeah. I don't want to play all the yeah, time. Exactly. I got I got schoolwork like, to do. Please, like, you know, I, I picked up <laughs> instruments, and, but you know that would be the first and foremost is to you know to show my son, you know who his father really is and what his father's capable of, so that he may be inspired, you know to to do his best in life and to lead as well. But I'll tell you that the recent thing that's been getting me out of bed now is as this pandemic has hit and I've seen the recession hit, I've looked at the indicators. You know, I I know that. What I have learned in my life and my prior experience has led me to teach and to lead and to help as many people as I possibly can. And that's what the mission is of Alter Call. And that's why I believe I was called to create the organization and, you know, to create the community that I did prior to, you know, this this event. So that way we can be a home for people that, you know, that that need to, you know, to to ground themselves and need to find ways to reduce the fear and the stress and to be a part of an entrepreneurial community that is spiritually driven, not just financially driven. And so, you know, I, I know for a fact that, you know, my voice needs to be heard in this time. And, 
And that's what's getting me out of the bed, out of bed right now. And that's what got me on this podcast. And that's what's going to have me, you know, um, you know, doing the best that I possibly can to be a voice and to be a light in this time of, of a lot of, you know, concern and a lot of darkness. That's so good. And it's just, just hearing the, the, I mean, even though it's a challenging time, just the positivity, the optimism that you have, it's inspiring. Thank you you for that. You know, I, I know for a fact, I, I entered into the year 2000, looked myself in the mirror and said, or 2010 and said, it's all over as an entrepreneur, I'm going to lose. And then I had to have a big conversation with myself. And I said, I can't control anything other than the actions I take today. I took those actions. And by 2012, I was the you know, number one New York Times bestselling author, Ernst & Young Entrepreneur of the Year, made hundreds of millions of dollars. And I can tell you anything that you're going through right now, you can get through it. And two years from now, you're going to look back at the work that you did today. And you're going to say you're grateful for this time, even though it's difficult. You're going to be even more grateful for it because it's going to build and forge and galvanize the entrepreneur within you. And you just got to know that and look yourself in the mirror each day and just tell yourself that this time was made for you. I love that. I love that. And that is such a perfect way to wrap this episode up. So thank you so much, Ryan, for being a guest on the show. Obviously, we want to include some stuff on Alter Carl as well, too. But thank you so much for being on here. Awesome. Thank you, Matt. It's been a pleasure.